hello. Welcome to Healthy Perspectives, a podcast that takes on current cultural and social issues through a clinical lens. All right. Hello, hello, everybody. Thank you. Welcome back. For those of you who have followed us, uh, for those of you who are new, we've got a special guest today, uh, somebody we haven't worked with yet, but I'm really excited. Uh, his name's Daniel. Did I say that right? Yep. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. Um, what we are, uh, so uh, Daniel reached out to me and he's got some really interesting product stuff coming out uh, and that they've been working on. They've been They've been putting out into the world, uh, but it definitely overlaps with the clinical world. And so I thought this was a good opportunity for us to explore something that is, is a lot more on the leading edge of maybe where clinical stuff can go in five, 10, 15 years. We don't know where this is going to go yet. And mm -hmm. so we're going to get to all of that. So hang tight. We're going to learn a lot about virtual reality today. And in that world uh, with Daniel, he has gone, he's, I mean, he's done a bunch of things. Um, he's done some uh, product management uh, that's specific to VR um, as a, as a project manager. That means he's, he's probably been part of, we're going to find out more today, but developing, uh, working with teams, getting this product to be a functional tool for potentially some of you that are listening right now out there in podcast land. Um, he is not new to the profession. He's been doing this for years. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna be our, our, our in-house expert today on everything VR. So thank you so much, Daniel, for joining us. Uh, you know, uh, give us, uh, give us a tiny bit about your background. Help us understand who you are. Sure. Hi everyone, so it's a pleasure to be here, it's a pleasure to be invited, so I'm Danny and um, I have a background of about like six years working with different projects in the VR. I started from the um, education part, so in the university where I was studying, I was helping other students educate using these wonderful machines, which we call headsets. I've got, I've got a couple of here today, I'll show you. So yeah, I, I started from the education did some did something for the university and next I realized that I need to help with the mental health and the mental health education and the psychoeducation in terms of the VR. So yep, thanks for the interest. So I'm the chief product officer, the head of the product in SciTech. So I'm also the co-founder, the team which founded this wonderful stuff, which where we help people. And um I've got the first question, Jeremy. So do you know that <laughs> This headset, oh, not not actually this, but like in general, the the VR headset was invented the same time when Doctor Aaron Beck coined cognitive behavioral therapy. Can you imagine that? It was mid sixties. What? It's okay. true. So then, <laughs> okay, then 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 it's maybe you can answer this for me. If that's the case, then why are we just now putting this? into the category of being a potential tool. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a great question. Thank you. So the thing is that nowadays all the technologists are in the right place where we have a very affordable VR. Because this I call it US national hero. It's about like two two uh, two fifty, two hundred and fifty US dollars now right now. 
So we've got a very affordable and high quality headset. We've got cloud solutions, which was before very um, not affordable, but nowadays we've got Amazon, Azure, so all these clouds are very affordable. Next, we've got the network, which, which speed is right now pretty good. And the most important, we've got engine. The engine which we use to develop all these environments. Unreal Engine, the Unity, these engines nowadays can help you bring the realistic graphics to these devices. Nice. So what I'm what I'm hearing then is is we're dealing with a a, a reduction of cost. Uh, yeah. And so uh, over time, it's become a reasonable option, whereas before it was. Uh, not a reasonable and affordable oh. and a logistically even possible option in terms of graphics and and making it realistic enough for our our system to register it is even though we know when we're going into VR we're going into VR but our mind has to believe that there's this 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 world in front of us and now Absolutely. all of that's just possible. Sure, sure. I mean, one hundred percent agree. So another thing that everyone should know like five, six, ten years ago, to work with a VR and have a pretty realistic graphics, you have to buy a very expensive VR bundle, which consists all consists of the headset, which was about like a couple thousand dollars. And it was a headset dependent from the computer. So with this bundle, you also would need to buy a, ha- a Computer, the PC, the power PC, which people buy for the gaming or for the mining in the crypto, right? So this bundle would cost you a couple of thousand dollars. And you see that nowadays the MetaQuest is only 250 The price dropped 10 times. And finally, it became affordable. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Why, why, I mean, I, I have some ideas as to why I might want to try this at some point in my <laughs> practice. Um, because as you know, uh, the, you know, we, we in, in our, uh, uh, a brief interaction, I'm a, I'm actually a trained mental health professional. I potentially like I've done neurofeedback. I've like, I've done a lot of things with technology and technology is awesome to me. I, I think if we can use it to do good, we should use it to do good because other people are going to find a way to use it to do terrible things. So, uh, you know, if we can find a way to make a tool uh, useful and healthy, let's do it. So I can think of a lot of reasons why I might want to give something like this a try at some point in my journey. But what is what is the driving force that you're seeing behind moving this in the mental health field? Great question. So um, let's get back to cognitive behavioral therapy. So one of the, um, let's see, this, this, this methods, it's like imaginal exposure in cognitive behavioral therapy, where the therapist has to expose a patient into certain imagery, right? So imaginal script. Let's say there is a person with the phobia of heights. So the, the therapist will work with some um, relaxation techniques and next after a few things during the protocol, they, the, 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 the therapist will, will send the patient to the imaginal exposure where the patient will be giving some, some scripts like, hey, imagine you're standing at the edge of the skyscraper, looking over the city and stuff. But we're we the people. Sometimes we're lazy. Sometimes we have a lack of imagination. So for us, sometimes it's so hard to imagine something which we're especially scared. Oh, the virtual reality is a wonderful technology, which when you take a headset, it's using your seeing, hearing, 
and your feeling of the surroundings because you have a 3D. So comparing to imaginal exposure where you're just sitting with the closed eyes and none of the human senses are in- included, the VR uses free primary human senses. It's more, from scientific point, it's more effective. It's more immersive. So with the VR, it's proven, it's scientifically proven that the virtual reality can be used for the VR exposure. In order to ask the patient to imagine the skyscraper, you can show the patient the exact 360 video from the one of the skyscrapers from the New York, let's say, or if it's a phobia of the spiders, you can show the spider and the patient can take this controller or even activate the hand tracking and grab a spider with a hand. So it's just a point of immersion. And it's already proven that VR exposure therapy is efficient. Okay. Uh, so you talked about the five senses. Well, you talked about three of them. Uh, right. The the so you're 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 dealing with visual, audio, and sounds like are you doing spatial like touch like? Uh, correct. Correct. Um, okay. Just uh, so, so, um, I would say something in the middle. It, it it depends on the bundle of the headset you have, but uh, at the end of the day, when you take a headset, everything is like in a three D. So you can see the surrounding. You can turn to the left. You can turn right. You can look up. So everything that you see there, it's not like static like like 2d right it's a it's all around you and it's bringing you a certain feel of immersion mm-hmm. yeah no 100 percent. i i had the privilege uh i haven't had a chance to talk to you about this yet but uh i had the privilege um there's a uh uh, a place nearby where we have a place that's called triple play. It's a game. Okay. Like it's, it's got bowling. It's got a water park. It's got all these things. It's, it's a pretty interesting little place. And they put in a, uh, a VR game and you it's, they freed up a good, it's, it's basically like being in a room essentially. Mm-hmm. And they've got you strapped in, but you, you know, they give you the, your little fake plastic gun and you go in there and you try to shoot all the, the but here, the, the weird part is what you're describing to me reminded me of this, that I could spin full 360. I, mm-hmm. I could see what was behind me. And I'm thinking of, you know, people who have, so, you know, what you're describing is mostly phobias, right? You've got a fear of heights, you, but, but this, I don't. I think that's cool. That's good. And as far as exposure therapy goes, it's a very useful tool. People are afraid of a lot of things, and so we we. I love it for that. But I'm thinking from my stance. I'm thinking, how do we make it go deeper? I, I I'm I'm all all for things that go you know go into tough places, but phobias. Uh, you know, we we've been working with phobias for decades we can get most people through a phobia in a traditional mm-hmm. method maybe not yeah. as efficiently and i like the efficiency efficiency is good but i'm thinking about these other things you know these these maybe uh uh you know if, if we're maybe we could teach people how to be in uh better relationships right that's right yeah I mean, that would, that, but that it exposes the visual cortex, the audio and the touch, um, potentially like, you know, some people don't understand what appropriate healthy physical contact is. You know, somebody Mm -hmm. comes up and puts their hand on a shoulder and they freak Mm -hmm. out, right? There's a desensitization process that goes on, but if you could do it in a way, that's not a me putting my hands on somebody. 
because yeah. from a therapeutic lens, there's risk every time I, you know, put my hands on a client for any reason, even if it's to shake their hand or whatever. So where, where do you see this potentially outside of, you know, just doing the exposure therapy with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, those, uh, those phobias, where could it go? Yeah. Sure. Sure. Um, let's start from something very actual. So, sure. um, people with trauma, they have problems. They have problems in the following. So for them, it's so hard to have their own safe place. It's hard for them to establish their safe place in imagination. We understood this, and that's why we created the AI, the generative AI, which can help people with the trauma create their own safe place. So we have generative artificial intelligence, which can really help, not only like ChatGPT, which can really help uh, bring some peace. So with this system, when, 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 when the person is taking a headset, the person will see the keyboard. With this keyboard, with a controller, they can type something. Let's say um, green forest, or you can be more descriptive, uh, mountain trail with a pink sunset just over the canyon. And the AI will recreate your unique safe place. What does it mean for us? So the person can have a tailored, requested safe place. So, for example, this can be their hometown or something they associate with, with their safe place. And next, the person in our app, the person can save the safe place, and when the person with the therapist will go to the next exposure, this can be anxiety disorder, this can be OCD we have, this can be PTSD. The doctor can easily transit the patient from traumatic experience right to the safe place, which is more rational because with imagination, it's hard. It's hard just, just to switch people quickly, just within a like within a moment. So it's it's hard to switch them from imagination from the exposure to the safe place, but with the VR, technically speaking, you can make it. For example, this one um, as well. This VR, all this VR therapy stuff, it's it's very important to mention that it started from the 1995 where the Emory University, Georgia Tech, and Atlanta started working on a US grant to build a special system. So they, they took this grant, and for two years, they were building a system which they called Virtual Vietnam. They have taken about 50 participants, the soldiers with the PTSD of, the, of this Vietnam, and they brought them to this training, which they did. And they have found, with a six months follow-up, that there is a decrease of like 45 to 48% of the symptoms with the next follow-up. So again, the PTSD can be a great example because it's so hard to bring people there to this, let's say, shooting, military conflicts stuff, but the virtual reality can actually show it. So we don't want to limit us with anxieties. We also have PTSD, anger. We have um, addictions. We have addictions, which is another interesting. We also have some stress, the OCD. So uh, we actually try to cover the whole landscape of the consultations. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so uh, I, you, when you talk trauma, you're talking my language. I do a lot of trauma work. Mm-hmm. I work with vets. I work with uh, uh, you know people who've who've encountered uh, early childhood trauma. I mean, you name it, I've done it. I did crisis treatment for a long time. And uh, the idea of a safe room, uh, I just want to create some clinical context there. Uh, that's awesome. I, like, I'm super excited about that potential. 
And a safe room is, uh, it's only as good as the room we exist in. So we can create, and and the visual cortex, you know, takes up about 30, uh, you know, 30, two thirds of our processing speed and, you know, brings in about 30% of all of our physical data. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. so we have five senses, but we are by design predominantly sight driven. So I, you know, I think this is a good, uh, interesting avenue to go down, but the Mm -hmm. safe room. uh, So just out of curiosity, you talked about grounding, essentially being able to flip from the trauma experience, visually Mm -hmm. seeing potentially the trauma experience to visually being back in your safe room. Uh, there's, there, I mean, I'm just going to bring this up because, you know, from a clinical lens, I got to be honest on, on all angles. The concern I have there, like I, first of all, I think it's potentially really good, good because we do grounding work, but the risk is you could create these, these weird mental breaks where right. their, their reality gets distorted, almost like it could reinforce the trauma if we're not careful. So there's still going to be a lot of training that has to be done for therapists to use the tool. Um, But the idea of the grounding is solid. The question is, how is it implemented? So do you have any information about how they've implemented that particular technique or approach? Sure, sure. I would love to start with the idea that the SciTech, it's a system which is fully controlled by the therapist. So by design, the patient is wearing the headset. This can be um, like like one-on-one therapy, like in person or online. So the, the person in the headset and the therapist from a special lounge pad, it's a special desktop app, can control and navigate the patient. Imagine, so, so, so the patient is taking a headset. The therapist clicking the first button and sending the patient to the ocean just to do a breathing exercise to teach how to do a breathing. Next, the, pa- the therapist clicking the second button and the patient is going to the exposure. Mm. Oh, we, we, we can talk to a trauma. We've got some, some violence. For example, we've got some bullying in the university environment, so we can bring the person there. And next, the system is fully controlled. So the therapist can control when to click or not to click the safe place button. And so... Good. Uh, I mean, I think that's, that's a good uh, safety net. Um, of course, given I'm given the, the expectation that a therapist is going to be wise in their approach, it would be good and useful. Can the client also stop it at any moment? So is it, is it, there, are there multiple control facets? Mm-hmm. No options available. Option number one, we're just taking off the headset. Another option, the client has the controller. And the controller itself, it's it has a couple of buttons. BA, Oculus, so it depends. So we put here, so when you double-click here, the scenario will stop. So we have this emergency button. Awesome. And no, then the therapist but, but but again, just, just like the therapist can decide whether to give this controller to a patient or not. The patient, even without the controller, can work with the environment. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Um, that's interesting because, you know, doing trauma work. Now, I could see that being super useful in a lot of things, but the in, in trauma work, 
from a therapeutic lens, my perspective, this is just based on my experience. I would never take a client into a trauma environment and not have that controller in their hand because mm-hmm. the whole per, per, uh, the point behind trauma is it's a complete loss of control uh, mm-hmm. over their, their own system. And it, it, it and the, if they maintain control and they experience the trauma, but they can call a timeout at any time, mm-hmm. then we don't risk re-traumatizing because the, the process of healing from trauma is to m- strategically re-traumatize without a loss of control. And so by having that controller for trauma work, I can say exposure therapy. I mean, I have no problem from my vantage point, no problem with a therapist uh, taking full control. And if the client needed to, they could just flip the mask. But for a client having that in their hand as the reminder, um, I could see that being super useful. All right, good. So you're taking you're taking safety uh, seriously. I love that. Yeah, That's we've got that. We've got this. That's what if I tell you that these controllers can not only help you just, you know, like call the pause, exit, or just move, but also it's working with the EMDR. Uh, I totally buy that. It's all the EMDR is a visual cortex uh, right. methodology. Yeah. I should mention that with Dr. Udi Oren, he's a chairman of the Israel Institute of the EMDR, we created the EMDR in the VR module, which has a bilateral stimulation. How it works. We have a certain protocol. We're sending the person to the safe place, the first. Next, we're bringing the person to the trauma experience, which will go for like 30 to 60 seconds, depending on the controls of the therapist. And next, when the patient is sitting in the headset, the doctor can call the desensation. What happens? The ball is going to different sides, but that's that's not only all. So next, the sound from each dynamic of this headset is also coming. When the ball hits right, the sound coming from the right. But next, the, the person is having the controllers in the hand and controllers also vibrate. So every time we're even having the vibration. So this is like working like an EMDR set, but in the virtual reality. And the therapist from the control panel can change the speed of the ball, uh, the, 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 the timing of the set, the sound of the metronome or any other sound which is happening there. So this magic sticks controllers can be also used for the sensation. That's awesome. Okay. Then I got a question because uh, like I told you, I did some neurofeedback stuff in the, my past. Mm-hmm. Uh, do Does the uh, the software you're creating have the ability to also dim lighting and increase the lighting of the visual. So like yeah. if they were in the forest and they were going through this and we were doing the bilateral bilateral stimulation and we, we had the sound going and the sight going, can it also dim and lighten the environment? Yes, it can. It's a fully LED displays, 4K. Each, each, each eye will have a 4K. So it can bring you different types of levels of brightness, uh, light so whatever you think of yes it can be done with the virtual reality that's interesting because the whole idea behind i don't know if you're familiar with neurofeedback uh, but neurofeedback is operant conditioning 
They, they're, mm-hmm. they're biologically, we respond. Now, it doesn't solve everything by any means, but biologically, mm-hmm. we have a natural tendency to respond uh, as we encounter something in our visual or audio uh, systems. And so uh, when we can mirror them, so for instance, if I, if I began to get, say, sleepy, and we mm-hmm. change the lighting and we change the sound, I, my, my system will naturally tend to either go deeper and go to sleep or come back to alertness and be aware. And so uh, I could see a potential overlap with some of the neurofeedback stuff that we, uh, we encounter out there, not just EMDR, which neurofeedback is more front edge than EMDR, but EMDR is, you know, like it's developing, you know, pretty good right now too. So, okay, cool. Um, what else do you want to tell us about this particular uh, oh, VR I've got, stuff? I've, I've got some. So um, we know that questionnaires are still quite popular. So, I mean, this mm, a certain form of uh, subjective score, right? The problem, I mean, I mean, we, we, we still love questionnaires. We've got only a question, right? So, like, how we can give a questionnaire to a person which we think has some mental health problems. Okay, we've been thinking of this question, and we realized that we need to bring some bias sensors. When you take a headset, you have a soft mask here, which will be closely connected to your face. So I wear it like this, and the mask covers these muscles. What I can say is that with one manufacturer, we have taken this mask and we implemented bias sensors. <laughs> muscle contraction sensors, oh, muscle contraction sensors and the, mm, what was in my mind? <laughs> anyway, so our mask, our mask, it can help you track HRV, stress, concentration level and the level of uh, stress in the real time. And the beauty of it is that you don't need to have any chest band. You don't need to wear the this EEG mask. So you can have this virtual reality mask. So, I mean, anyway, the patient will wear a headset. So we're taking this, this, this mask and having this sensors on the frontal lobe, taking, taking with the dry electrodes this mm, by, by, by results, the vitals, and the therapist in real time can see the answer. How does this VR therapy work? So the therapist can see the patient experience on one screen and on the other half of the screen, the patient will see the vitals in real time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay, so now that's, you see, you're starting to overlap different ideas. I love it. Um, so the the cool thing that I'm hearing is, well, one, this is just starting, but we're already pushing it to go further, yeah. right? Like it's, it's like, we're, we're not going to stop here. Let's, let's push it further. Um, obviously, you know, there's going to be a certain number of people in the audience who are like going to be terrified that, oh, so we're all going to be just wearing masks and living in closets. Oh. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's also potentially a good tool. So, you know, I don't, I don't want to be, uh, you know, freaking people out or anything, but that is going to probably come up. Uh, yeah. If you are, uh, if, if, if anybody out there in the audience is, is thinking that, please let me know. I, uh, I, I kind of want to hear what your thoughts are. Um, let's go back to uh, the, the, uh, the sensor in the, in the visual stuff. We, we, um, for, first of all, can you tell me who's developing 
the the sensory mask because that's a really interesting technology. Mm, kind of uh, kind of a secret, <laughs> but it's okay. uh, one um, biofeedback manufacturer from Europe. Not from Canada. Okay. I think I bet because everyone was thinking about the Canada. Not from Canada, from Europe. <laughs> okay. Okay. We, well, I... Yeah, we're pretty platform agnostic. So we also work okay. with other uh, systems. So when, when that's good. Like I, I understand, like, especially as technology is being developed, they got to keep it hush hush. Uh, when we get to the, uh, uh, the point that this is out there on the market, Mm-hmm. Is that going to just be a standard? Do you think that that's going to become a, just a standard mask? Hmm. That's that's a that's a really good question. Honestly, mm, we're trying to play with different models. So what I can say is that we have found one treasure in the US. We have found one company, which uh, is providing the API to any possible biosensor, starting from the Apple Watch. Ordering, Fitbit, um, Polar, anything you can imagine. They're providing the, the APIs. So it's like a company providing all these APIs. And we can bring this sensors to our platform. So what does it mean? We already have them implemented to our system. So if the patient is coming to the office of the therapist with an Apple Watch, just like in, in one, in two clicks, very simple. They can connect it to the system, and when they will wear a headset, the doctor will see this with those in real time. I know that Apple Watch that don't have much, <laughs> much things to much thing to match, right? But anyway, uh, we're playing with formats. Mm, unfortunately, the headsets are changing in terms of the form factor. So the headset was which was before the MetaQuest Two, the 2020 Natural Hero. It's different from the MetaQuest 3, so the form factor changed, and it's quite difficult to switch from the Quest 2 mask to Quest 3 and next Apple Watch, uh, sorry, Apple Vision Pro headset will come. So I believe that the future is for the APIs. So the system which will have an API for all the biofeedback, even this famous uh, biofeedback from Canada, so the system which will have all these APIs will win. All right. That's interesting. I mean, hey, we all we all make predictions. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see where that goes. But I I mean, I, you know, I'm going to be fascinated to keep an eye on it. And and as these things become more affordable, uh, you know, for for us as clinicians, I know there are clinicians. I, I know I know several clinicians right now who would be interested when it's uh when it reaches its it's affordable and you know and and we're vetting it out of course we also have to worry about things like the the ethics and the laws and because there's there's anytime you introduce something new even like when we did telehealth it honestly this is going to sound ridiculous but for those of those of you listening um <laughs> we didn't even really get to do much telehealth mm-hmm. until covid because he, there was too many concerns about the risks of telehealth. And so they were slow walking it until there was a situation that came up that said, Oh wait, we need this now. And then all of a sudden it's like all the ethics and the laws were all of a sudden in place. It's like, what? But that's kind of how things work sometimes. So there'll be a precipitating event of some sort. Um, well, what I call it. Uh, so they in, in the world of trauma, we have what we call trauma growth. We, trauma by nature isn't bad. Our system is designed to 
encounter a traumatic event and mm-hmm. survive uh, by nature. Like the, the brain is designed to handle it. Uh, but sometimes we get caught in these loops. Well, if the way we get caught in the loop is to not do the growth part. We're supposed to be learning and growing on the back end of a trauma. And so, you know, maybe, uh, hopefully not, but maybe it'll take a, uh, a traumatic event or a, uh, you know, a specific type event to thrust this to the forefront. Hopefully we can do it smart and efficient without any major trauma, but unfortunately our, our culture tends to work off of that model. Yeah. Yeah. So. Agreed. Agreed. And um, one thing which I can bring of this um, topic is that during COVID or during any virtual consultation, let's say, Therapists and patients are missing the in-person moment. Yep. But what what if I can what if I tell you that with our system, the patient can customize the avatar, the therapist can customize the avatar as well, and they can go to any exposure together, seeing each other as the customizable avatars and participating there. So this is becoming a virtual in person consultation and as the feedback of our clients and advisors they say that this was the the the, the point missing during the covid because okay we, we we had each other as a telehealth a best scenario we can see each other in a zoom the worst scenario we can just talk on a phone right so it's like a quick help or even the chat but the therapist di- didn't didn't see the patient, and even during the exposure, right? The therapist has to give some script. The patient has to imagine something, and this was like not not in the same room, let's say. But now, when with let's say with us with SciTech, the patient and the therapist can go to the same environment. That the therapist don't need to spend time on giving scripts and checking that the patient is focused and concentrated. That the therapist only have time for analysis. Patterns, behaviorals, emotion. So just again, the VR is bringing a sense and notion of rational. So it's 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 making this rational. So you can you can go with your patient or with a group of patients to the any any exposure that we have. That's interesting. I I mean, it, obviously, that's another one of those facets I, I like to uh, I like to think about. Because the uh, the experience of having a client in the room is very different than I mean the video works it's it's a good alternative mm-hmm. but it's clearly an alternative the ideal is still you know, a client sitting here in my office yeah. it's you know they they because there's there's certain kinds of energy and experience we get from being in person so let me ask you I'm gonna I'm gonna change it up here on you a tiny bit because you know we got we got to ask the tough questions too what's the biggest downside that you can see with vr in terms of it being in the clinical world interesting that mm. there, there, there are still exist some technical things so we have clients all over the world and i've i, I would Honestly, they honestly say that clients that we have in Australia, they struggle with the internet. Everything that we talk about, this exposures, mindfulness stuff, right? When you take a headset, you need to download it. 
The problem with it is that you're downloading the asset from the cloud. So for unfortunately from our for our friends from Australia, it's hard. That's interesting. Another, yeah, I, no, no, okay. go. Yeah, so, no, no, then, you know, I, I'm actually thinking, uh, and, and not, I'm not doing this to be a pessimist. I'm doing this because we, if, if we're going to look at something, we got to look at it. We can't, we can't pretend it's better or worse than it is. It's, it's what it is. And I'm thinking, you know, I, I, I don't know why this didn't cross my mind until now, but uh, what if I'm sitting with a client on yeah. VR and the power goes out at either my place or their place? Right. I just disappear. Yeah, yep. Like, like <laughs> because I'm not there. I'm literally. I can't. You know. And I. Ooh. It, it, well, I mean, <laughs> that's that that potentially is a pretty big risk. Of course, it exists on computers too. I mean, if the power right. went out right here, I lose you. You're gone. Like this. This. This meeting is over. <laughs> we are. You know, production done. Right. Yeah. But. But at the same time we aren't necessarily dealing with the, 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 the heart of your trauma or, you know, the, you know, somebody who's suicidal or homicidal, right. We're, we're dealing with a product, which is, I mean, like, that's a big deal, but if I'm taking one or, or the other, I mean, I know which one outweighs the other. And so there's gotta be, I'm thinking like what's the what's the safety mechanism that backs that up? I don't I don't know if there is one. No, actually we 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 mm. uh, okay, in the headset we have a battery. So if the power will turn off, so we'll only lose the Wi-Fi. So you can take your phone and connect it to the hotspot. Yes, it takes some time. Again, all the you know this this devices they 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 have this limitation. Of course. Unfortunately, unfortunately yeah. even you know, imagine yeah. us nowadays. If we don't have an internet for about like half half a day, with <laughs> <laughs> what happened? <laughs> right? No, we 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 watched that. What maybe a, a couple of years ago? It was something like Facebook went down for like eight hours or something, and everybody yeah. was like, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> Facebook is down! The end of the world!" It was. It was, I mean, it was what yeah. it was, but Agreed. no, it's true. Uh, but it does, it does raise, you know, when they're sitting with me and mm-hmm. we're in the middle of trauma, if, if the power goes out, it's, it doesn't even interrupt us really. Right. Like we're, we're, we're still right there. So, you know, there's, it, 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 there's obviously things that are probably going to be enhanced, improved efficiencies and stuff. Um, what I appreciate is in this moment, we're actually acknowledging that that human contact still has to happen, even whether it's VR that's that's setting up for for the expert to be in the room with you. Mm-hmm. you know, we still there's still going to be some dependence on people break people, people heal people. We're going to need people, um, you know. So we might what might I, what I'm actually seeing is is uh, I can get to the expert on a particular thing through VR with one of my clients. It's sort of like it, it adds another layer to my ability to practice. If I need somebody who's going to be able to do say EMDR and let's say I'm not trained in EMDR, mm-hmm. I can, I can connect my client with them and maybe they do it with me in the room. And if something goes wild, we're right there. We're doing the trauma work and 
they got me, you know, they, they may have been yanked out of the virtual world, but it, in the more extreme cases, most of them, I mean, I, you know, probably fine to do it through VR, but in the more extreme cases, having that human being backing it up in the room, I think mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's maybe the safety net. Mm -hmm. Um, that's me just thinking through it out loud, man. Like, I don't know. I mean, we're, we're going to have to see where this stuff goes. So no, agreed. Agreed. So, um, another thing which you should, I, I, I should notice it because like some people which are working with the VR will see this episode. So the, the, the problem which we are nowadays have is a motion sickness. It was actually the, the problem in the past. I'll explain why. So, uh, the motion sickness, when you take a headset, you can move, but your brain is that. So, so what, what actually happens? Okay. So I can take a headset and in the headset, um, I can use my joystick and for example, like on the PlayStation or Xbox, I, I push it forward and I will move. The problem with that is that when you move, but you actually not move. So like your eyes, they, they see that you're moving, but your brain, they, it, the, the brain doesn't feel that you're actually moving. That's when the motion sickness comes. But that was the problem with the three degree of freedom headsets, which was done before. And starting from the MetaQuest 2, we have a six degree of freedom headset where we can look left, right, up, down. We can a little bit move and also we can move. So this newest headsets, they're actually solving this problem. So again, the technology is growing. It's becoming more mature. So getting back to your first question today. So the technology is here. Yeah, no, this is, this is good. Okay. Um, so uh, before we get into like, I want to get everybody the details of where to go and all that stuff. But before we do that, uh, you know, this is, uh, you know, <laughs> you're hanging out with us today. So tell me, uh, I, I heard your journey from the university moving right. forward, but tell us a little bit about who you are. Like, you know, when you were a kid, where'd you grow up? How did you, you know, navigate your, your, your pathway? Give us a, like a two minute version of just who right. Danny is. Well, so I'm the guy which, which was born in Russia and I like, like in the, in the capital of Moscow. So I was like living, growing there, going to the university. And uh, when I went to the university, to my backlog program in about like 2016, uh, I went to finance and I realized that education and, and and work it's i mean it's it's different in, in different countries right i know some 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 peers some helps that which live here in the u.s they, they 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 know that you know like like working in you studying in a university and working at the same time it's so hard in different countries it's different so from the second grade uh, from from the second year of the bakel program i went working i used to work with one german startup N next to just to, 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 to explore the world, I uh, went to the internship. So I went to Austria and in, in Europe, I was just working for a month doing some internship in a big company. So from my university years, I learned that I'm, I'm the person who want to work. And next I realized that I'm a person who want to have a startup. So my first startup was a mobile app. It was it was uh, kind of uh, successful and very unsuccessful. We raised money. There was an investor. Uh, everything was good. But next, uh, because I had no experience, 
we crashed. <laughs> we lost it. 150%. We lost it. But it is such a wonderful time where I just draw a lot of feedback, you know, just understood many things where I was not the best entrepreneur. And next, uh, I had a couple of other, I would say, projects. And next, I had this university VR stuff. And next happened the SciTech, the VR for mental health. But I would I would like to to say a big thank you to my family, to my parents, because like my mom, she's actually the clinical psychologist. And this project, it also happened because of her. Because of her. So like like when I was growing, she 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 used to be clinical psychologist. Nowadays she has like about like 16 years of therapy experience counseling. So was was taking a lot of cure, even still, and um, yeah. So because because of cure, <laughs> almost the 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 side tech happened. So um, yeah, really appreciate oh, my parents good. and all the all, all all the family members and all the people who were supporting us, and also CEO now CEO of a very close friend of our family, the Peter. Uh, yeah, he's he's my mentor. He's like my advisor. <laughs> he's really helping me. I love it. I love it. You know what? I got to tell you my favorite part, man. My favorite part of the story is I started something and I fell on my face. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I love that is because, uh, truthfully, we learn more from our failures than our successes. We just do. I mean, that's it's really part of our our growing nature. If 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 we were to succeed every time, it would get boring. <laughs> we would get tired of it. We'd stop doing it because we'd be like, ah, well, I know if I go and start this business, it's going to succeed wildly. And so, man, nah, I want to find something. And we'd look for more challenges. And so the, uh, uh, but the entrepreneur, you know, you said, you know, maybe you didn't know, you know, you wanted to be an entrepreneur, but you didn't. Yeah, you didn't know really what that meant, but then you figured it out. I mean, that's part of the process. You know, entrepreneurs, they're just the ones who keep getting up. Like, that's the way it is. So, you know, things are going to go right with this. Things are going to go wrong with this. And yeah. that's, you know, if you just keep getting up, I mean, we'll see where it goes. I mean, maybe maybe this will end up near the uh, the front edge and you know, maybe I'm I'm going to be buying your stuff and maybe thousands of counselors all over the country are going to be buying your stuff because you just kept getting up. So, yeah, man. Hey, I, uh, I super appreciate you spending some time with us. This is an area that I'm really fascinated by. So I, I appreciate you allowing me the opportunity to hear directly from you. Okay. I know my audience is going to appreciate it. Uh, you know, some more than others, of course, but you know, I mean, we'll, we'll get it out there and we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll try to help one. And if 10 find it, then great. And if 10,000 find it even better. Um, the idea is that we're, we're here to, to try to help people. So I definitely appreciate you joining us. Uh, please, before we go, tell mm -hmm. us where they can find you. I will definitely work. And everyone that's coming to this podcast will give you a good thing. So and every individual uh, which will sign up to try it and put Jeremy name in a promo code field will get not a seven, but a 30 day free trial. So for one month, we'll access you to try it for free. No credit card needed. 
And for every therapist that is watching this podcast, which who put the uh, Jeremy name in, 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 in the promo code, the first month is going to be not a 120, but only 50. So we're of course, with a 30-day retrial. So we'll be happy to help you. Awesome. Awesome, folks. All right. So, I mean, you heard it here. I mean, you stick my name in there. My name is at the bottom of the screen. You can see how to spell it. Uh, you'll put my name in there. Hopefully, you're on the other end. You know, you'll come away thinking this is this is something that's a good, useful uh, tool. And I also think you'll play a part in developing it, helping it grow into something that is maybe five years from now, even better than today. I hope it is because, you know, businesses that grow make a difference. And those that don't, well, they stop making a difference. So um, I, I appreciate that. Uh, thank you all for joining us. I hope you all have a wonderful day. Let us know what you think in the, in the feedback. Again, always with Healthy Perspectives here, like, subscribe, follow, all that kind of good stuff. Have a wonderful day. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. We appreciate our audience a lot. So we give you some simple ways to track us down. Please like, subscribe, and follow all the podcasts on different platforms. But you can also email us at healthyperspectives at protonmail.com. Or you can check out our website at healthy-perspectives.com slash podcast. It's a backward slash. So if you want to go to our landing page, if you go to healthy dash perspectives.com. You'll still find us. You just got to click on the podcast button. Thank you so much.